to Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. My name is Carol Willem Roberts. And I'm her husband, Paul. And we are the creators of Grow Me a Story. Our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative. And inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. As your creativity cultivators, Paul and I will be bringing in some special guests throughout 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. Our guest today is musician, painter, actor, retired educator, and dear friend, Joy Pursun. And for the next four weeks, we will be sharing the conversation we had with her about growing up and growing old, but mostly about growing a creative life. So let's get right into the first ever Dreams and Bones podcast, part one of our interview with Joy Pursun. Well, we are here this afternoon with our very good friend, Joy Pursun, and we're going to just uh, sit back and relax and gab for a while and talk about creativity. So we're here in my studio, which is really just uh, Cosette's old room, for those of you that know some of the family. And uh, we're, we're just going to start talking about being creative. We've had enough conversation to know that there's a lot of directions that, that we could go. Joy, looking back at your childhood, talk to us about elementary school, middle school. What are some things that you can point to that maybe helped shape the creative person that you are today? What, what was going on? Well, you know, I've, I thought about that. And when I think of creating, first of all, I've told you, I don't associate creative with my life. I never even thought it was a creative thing I did. It was a drive. But what I ended up doing with my life never really clicked into my life until I was probably in the 10th grade. So I remember being in um, just wanting to have fun. And that was what I did for creativity. I mean, that was my creative life. And again, I was raised in the Nazarene church and allowed to do, well, I shouldn't say allowed, it sounds like a cult, and did what little kids did, but we didn't listen to the radio, rock Mm -hmm. and roll music. We didn't... um, Music, the only music I knew was gospel quartet music and the hymnal. Yeah. And even the our little church choirs and stuff. I remember my mom always telling me, Joy, you sing so loud in choir. Well, it wasn't because I liked to sing, but I liked to be noticed, I guess. That was a big deal to me. She seemed like a bird up there with your mouth going. <laughs> and But I never really felt anything creative other than I look back on it. I mean, I did a darn good job making... Uh, pies out of dirt and running my own (laughs) restaurant. My grandma would let me um, run a a grocery store on her back patio. And as a little kid, I remember putting all of that together and thusly probably preparing me for some day, you know, when I was directing a play and doing things like that. But the actual thought of creativity really probably never entered my life until I came up to North Idaho from Nampa, Idaho. I was born and raised there, and I was in an orchestra. Loved playing the cello. 
Oh, never, I forgot that. Yeah, never thought that it would, you know, I thought I'd play the cello until I was a senior. And then whatever I was going to do, it would just come naturally. Well, you come to North Idaho, there are no orchestras at that time. Mm-hmm. And so mom said it was late and I had to pick an elective. And she said, well, why don't you be in choir? And I went, no, I don't want to be in choir. Please don't make me be in choir. Well, I was in choir. And I don't know, something just snapped and popped. And it worked for me. And I found myself leading the choir when teacher wasn't there. And it just became important to me. So when did you move up here then? What year? In My school? sophomore year. Your sophomore year, you moved to... Post Falls. Post Falls. Mm-hmm. And we were a definite rivals of Kellogg. We didn't <laughs> yeah. like to say the word Kellogg. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I moved to Post Falls, and um, it was much smaller at the mm-hmm. time. Much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. But I loved it there. I loved... Um, my dad had a, company, a trucking company, and he moved from trucking for armor to uh, running his own grain trucks. And so he had to run from Pasco to Great Falls, and he hauled grain back and forth to the from the farm. And that's what, that, that's what brought about the move, was mm-hmm. Dad's job changed and you had to move up here. I'll never forget, we came through on a night. I, we were all in Daddy's truck, and he took us through here. It was just starting to get dark, but it wasn't dark enough that I couldn't tell that the water was a funny color. <laughs> and I could also tell that there was no trees on the mountains. And I just said to him, what is wrong with this place? Mm-hmm. And he tried to explain it to me. And then, of course, we went over Lookout Pass. I mean, Fourth uh, of July, which scared me to death. Mm-hmm. And then we come into Post Falls and he kept saying to me, I'm going to move you to a little town named Athol. <laughs> and I kept saying, Dad, that's not even funny. No, he said, look at it, it's on the map. And I did it. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm running away from, I'm not going to Athol. <laughs> but we ended up in Post Falls and loved it there. I loved it there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just a good fit for me. I've never made this connection between you and I before. We both made our move to North Idaho as sophomores in high school. And it wasn't that easy. Uh, No, it was very, very different. But but as I look back, uh, as we look back, we go, boy, that was a great move. Great move for us to leave what was a bigger school, come to a smaller school district. When when did you start playing piano? Oh, piano. Now, that was just expected. Uh, you pick an instrument, and Mom wanted us to play the piano, and I think in the back of her mind it was, someday you'll play for church. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started taking lessons, and so did my sister Jean. I don't know why Jean was allowed to stop. I wasn't allowed to stop. I don't even remember asking to stop. But I started probably in the first grade mm-hmm. and just kept taking. And wow. then when I came up here, um took from Mrs. Rodkey and some different people over in Post Falls that uh, that people have known for years. And um, then my sophomore year, I quit taking piano. And my, that's when my mom said to me, Joy, if you're not going to take piano lessons anymore, you must be ready. So the next thing, you know, we move into this little tiny Post Falls Nazarene church who doesn't have an accompanist. Mm. And my mom played, my sister-in-law played, and I played. Huh. And it was to them, it was like heaven. Oh, my gosh, we have three piano players. <laughs> and then my mom said, and you're going to direct the choir. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. But as a sophomore, I started directing the church choir. And wow. I started giving lessons. I would drive my little 
58 Ford station wagon to people's <laughs> homes, and for a dollar, I would teach their kids how to play start piano. Wow. And I never stopped giving piano lessons till about four years ago. Mm. Wow. Every year, I was still charging a dollar. No, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It did inflate. But I loved it. I loved it. I loved giving piano lessons up to the time I stopped. And when I didn't like it, I stopped doing it. So your first time doing piano lessons, were were you making this up off the top of your head? Yeah. Just kind of saying, I knew what... I I don't know. And, And maybe that is a creative thing. I truly believe there are creators and then there are followers of creators that you trust. And I've always had the ability, and I don't... I think sometimes it was um, frustration of sitting in a room full of people who are waiting for someone to take charge. And <laughs> I, being the dummy, would always sit around and they go, well, we don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And it's like, I got things to do, people. I'll do this, We, you know. And so I think it was the same way with lessons. It just enticed me that at a at an age of sophomore in high school, I could go to someone's house and make a dollar by teaching them how to start the piano. And I knew how to do that. I didn't think, it never scared me. It never, I never questioned it. Nobody told me I had to do it. I just, there were kids in the church and mom wanted thought, I thought, well, that's a good idea. I guess I will. And there weren't books like there are now. You know, it's the young Thompson books and I didn't have the ability to buy the books or, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just had the old books that I started with. So I would just give them to the kids and, and we go from there. But it, it was, it led to quite, I was able to meet some amazing people teaching piano over the years. I could tell you horror stories and wonderful stories. <laughs> and so when did you, when did you start thinking about going into education and being a teacher? Uh, probably my sophomore, junior year when the teacher, this is terrible to say, I won't mention names, but she, she had literally a nervous breakdown Mm. and it was just too much for her and so I basically kind of took over the class for the sub and would teach Mm. and I kind of liked it and I don't know why I liked it my sister was in there and I don't think she liked me being in there trying to tell her (laughs) what to do I wasn't telling anybody what to do but I knew how to bring them in and I knew if the parts are right and and then I was also at the piano at the same time. So it was a natural thing now to just work into that, to teach from the piano and to teach singing. So I think that just helped me make a decision. But I had my heart set on Northwest Nazarene College because that I was a Nazarene. That's what Nazarenes did. Mm-hmm. Pick a college, one of the Nazarene colleges all over the United States and go. Well, I just knew that's where I was going. But when I got into my senior year and in uh, dad's business had hit a wall and they didn't have the money and I remember dad and mom coming to me and saying joy we can't send you to NNC this year oh gosh I was devastated mm-hmm. devastated I just thought oh my life and who's going to teach me how to teach because it's such a wonderful education school and then I went to NIC and I've never had more fun in my life mm. got away a little bit from the Nazarene teachings. That's when I started, you know, kind of learning there was a whole nother world out there. So it's probably a good it was a good thing. Yeah. And because of it also I made some stupid choices. Mm -hmm. I know that. And but 
when you get that kind of freedom, when you've been mm-hmm. stifled for so long, I think you have more of a tendency to make stupid choices than if it's just been part of your life, you don't even think of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I remember uh, my senior year, I was uh, president of the student body and um, I had I had to go to one of the formal dances and I was in charge of them decorating. I remember thinking, how can I dance to rock and roll music and how can I do this? when it's, I know I'm not supposed to, you know, and I remember my dad saying to me, well, why don't they have prom in the afternoon, Joy? I just don't understand why they have it at night. Can't they have it in the afternoon? (laughs) 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 I said, well, I guess they could, Dad, but I know it's just always been the night. But they were smart enough to let me go and let me do. And they knew what they had taught me, and they knew that I... um, was a fairly intelligent person. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much my junior year, they stopped any of that. Now, my grandma has a whole different story. <laughs> she could see red fingernail polish from five feet. I mean, she and she was blind. She could still see it. So you always had grandma and grandpa to kind of keep you on the way. But it opened up a whole new world for me. Uh, the college with Mr. Frost, just new things, new things. <laughs> And then finally, my uh, sophomore year in college, I got to go to NNC and then did hit the education. And I tried, I shoved a five-year program into four years because dad and mom said, you work for us in the summers, driving truck and doing all this stuff, and we'll put you through college. And I thought, that's a good deal. And so they did. You were a trucker. I I drove semi-truck. Yes, I did. Wow. And then sometimes I started, well, first I started under the trucks changing uh, oil and stuff. <laughs> and then I, then I went into uh, going out and sleeping by the silos while the trucks came through. There were like eight or nine of them at the time. And then I'd load them and you mm-hmm. timed how fast the grain came out so you weren't overloaded. And then I know there were a few times that they went through the way station, they would all be overloaded and they'd all get tickets. So they never really had to pay them because they knew I was the one doing it. But And then it was just natural to start driving for dad. Hmm. But I remember my mom standing outside while we were pulling away and I'm learning how to shift. And it's she's sobbing and crying. <laughs> dad, Larry, Larry, be careful with my baby. And I think you just see out there crying. <laughs> but... He could go to sleep in the sleeper. My dad would go in a sleeper, and he could tell by the sound of the engine if I was going too fast, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. And I would think he's sleep, and he'd always go, how fast you going, Joy? Like, <laughs> Got it, Dad. Got it. <laughs> it was a great life. It's a great life. Mm-hmm. I have no complaints about it other than sometimes I wish I knew more. Yeah. But now that I have grandchildren living their lives, mm-hmm. I wish they all knew less. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess it's just the way it is. Did you ever write your own music? Never really wanted to. I have, uh, mm-hmm. mostly just out of need, yeah. not out of desire. Mm-hmm. I have written many, many songs in my sleep. Absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous music. Sang it, I would sing it over and over, and I would wake up and I'd think, oh my gosh, what was that? Never remember it. And mm-hmm. I just never felt the Lord led me to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know. Um, I just knew what was black and white on the music. And my piano players wouldn't let me Im- 
you know, do any improv or uh, we didn't do courting. You played the way it was written. Yeah. And um, so I don't think that was ever nurtured, really. Go on your own. And it wasn't like it is today, you know, the people. Right. If I if I could have religious music the way it is today and, and worship music, and I think I probably could. You know, I listened to Lori when she, your sister, yeah. when she writes, and it just, I think I probably could. I just didn't think mm-hmm. we were supposed to. Mm-hmm. They just bring it to us, the new music, and yeah. we learn the new music. I never thought that it was something I did. I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. It's like I never thought to go ahead and get a doctorate or a master's degree. Mm. It just never entered my mind. Why would I? I don't know why I want it. Because you make more money. Well, I spend a lot of money getting it, too. Yeah. You know, and I just always seem to be pretty content where I was. So it never was a drive. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought about it. Why? Until as I got older, people always wondered why I never... And there you have it, friends, part one of our four-part episode with the wonderful Joy Pursuit. Carol, I'm wondering if there was anything in particular that Joy said that stood out for you. I thought it was very interesting that she didn't think of herself as a creative person. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she called it more drive and not creativity. And I think as we talk to people throughout the year, we may be coming to a consensus of what is creativity and how we can define that. Yeah, and I think we're going to find a lot of people that will initially say, I don't think of myself as being creative. But that's one of the things that we want to to share and help point out for people is that all of us have that creative gift. It's part of who we are. Uh, Carol, I'm really looking forward to part two of our talk with Joy when it begins with you asking her the question about nature versus nurture. Are we born creative? And as we bring part one to a close, we'd like to thank our Sacred Community Garden members and this month's podcast subscribers for helping support the Dreams and Bones podcast. If you have found us and you're not a member, but you want to know more about Dreams and Bones, go to www.growmeastory.com where you can find out more about practicing the art of creative living with your hosts, Paul and Carol Woolham-Roberts. Join us next Friday for another episode of our Dreams and Bones podcast.